On top of old spooky, all covered with spooks. The kid brought a ghost back. So here's chapter two. <laughs> That's nice. That's nice. That's a nice little callback <laughs> to that cold open from the first time. Guys, go listen to Insidious. <laughs> Yeah, guys, I just, it's, today's gonna be wild. I can't wait. Oh my God. Go look for Insidious on any of our pages. See if you can find it. Give it a listen before you listen to this one. Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where we have a far more insidious Chapter 2 agenda. (laughs) I'm Carrie. I'm Roz. And this week we are covering the 2013 sequel, Insidious Chapter 2. Ah, we are in the throes of spooky season! Oh my god. Oh, you guys having a good October? You know they're not. (laughs) (laughs) I know they're not. It's 2022. I know they're not. Nuclear war, spookables, robots, you know... (laughs) Beloved film icons dying. Oh, Robbie Coltrane, Angela Lansbury, R.I.P. Oh my God. Oh no, not the bed knobs and broomsticks, witch and Hagrid. No. Oh, R.I.P. These witches. <laughs> Before we get started, don't forget go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K I C K N S T R E A M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's: rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet, folks. We want everyone to come and join our little spooky watch party. Guys, if you haven't checked out the patreon yet please go check it out guys there's never been a better time to give us your money for just five dollars a month you can enjoy our bonus episodes some shooting the shit episodes we're doing long form coverage we're almost to the end of the haunting of hill house we're there we're there yeah it's coming all right let's get in no let's get inside of this See, that's what I was trying to do. That's what I was trying to do, but it didn't work. Oh, my goodness. We're going to be at Grandma's house for a little bit. Nothing's going to bother us. Not anymore. We have our son back. We are a family again. What is? Tell us, what does she want? I heard voices in the hallway. Is there something wrong with Daddy, Mom? Someone standing in front of you. 
He's talking to you. What's he saying? He's got your baby. 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 Guys, please welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, Mr. James Wan. He's back with us. Oh my god, I love James Wan films. He really does horror right in an age where it's not done right often. He's not even 50. I know. Can you imagine? He's big cute, too. He's done all this. Oh, Carrie. (laughs) Guys, he's got his Conjuring universe, his Insidious universe. Come on, they're in the same universe, right? Yeah. Can't we we just say the Wanverse? The Wanverse. The Wanverse, yes. (laughs) I mean, hey. Conjuring is the highest grossing horror franchise. Is it really? It really is. I had no idea. He also di- he also did, you know, like stuff with DC, like the Aquaman. Mm. He did Aquaman and he also did uh he did he did one of he did one of the Fast and Furious films <laughs> just outside of the Wanverse, you know, just outside of all the horror. But James we're, we're, we're happy to have you back, of course, for this spooky selection. I thought this one was spookier than the first one. I think it was, too. Like, the, for the first one, there's just so much not happening in that first, like, 35 minutes. And then it all ramps up really fast. But I feel like this is a more even-keeled tone. You know, this was a $5 million budget. Yeah? $5 million. That's it. That's it? That's it. And, and it's great. Yeah. But, it, I mean, it made, you know... million dollars so like we've just got we've got little to no like CGI effects everything's practical just about the acting's really good the writing Lee I'm gonna come for you later a little bit on some of the dialogue but other than that guys please welcome back to kicking and streaming Mr. Lee Wannell we're (laughs) writing our screenplay today Lee Wannell Lee Wannell one of our favorite horror Aussies oh my god Renai Renai oh god I can't wait to I can't wait to get to it (laughs) It's, it's gonna be fun Oh my god, guess who does the music for this? Who? Joseph Bishara. Who's that? We talked about him last time. He plays the physical entity of the demon. Oh, really? Yeah, but he's also a composer. I didn't realize that he was both in the movie and wrote the music. I'm sure you told me that. I just have no memory of it right now. No, that's funny. We didn't talk about the fact that he was the composer for the last film, too. We were just obsessed with him being the demon. Yeah, he's responsible for these very stressful violin chords. And I just love that he's responsible for that and at the same time portrays the entity. (laughs) The lipstick demon lesbian? The lipstick demon lesbian. (laughs) It's called the lipstick face demon. I, I had no idea. I don't get it. Also, how can there be an insidious chapter three but it's a prequel yeah i'm sorry guys stories go in chronological order i don't know if you knew this wobbly timey wimey every one of you trying to tell all these stories tell all these narratives out of sequence you're confusing me okay (laughs) please don't do that to me Folks, you might have guessed it, but we've got names. We're going to try and breeze through this a little bit, because obviously we've got mostly repeat players here. Yeah, but it's been two years, so... Yeah, so just as a refresher... <laughs> Please welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, Mr. Patrick Wilson. He's playing Josh Lambert, of course, with us here today. He, you might rec- you might remember him as the Vicomte de Chani when we did uh, The Phantom of the Opera. One of the first great loves of my life. Indeed, Are indeed. Are you kidding me? And of course, when we did Insidious, he was Josh last time. Um, you will know him for being hot as fuck. Um, yeah. I, I tried to rein in your thirst when we talked about him the first time because uh-huh. I knew the thirst was coming, but <laughs> now it's me who's thirsty. Like, He's so cute and so talented. And so hot. Like... <laughs> 
Like, the dichotomy of his acting range is really present in this film. He's also, like, super, like, sexy. <laughs> you know? You just wanted to get another adjective in there? A chef's kiss of a man, you know? He can sing, he can act, and he's got that body. I know. I'm sorry. You know what? Let's move on. And you, just, as, just as a note, uh, the younger version of Josh today is played by Garrett Ryan. You go, Garrett. Yeah. <laughs> you close your eyes and walk in front of cameras. <laughs> Uh, please welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, Rose Byrne, um, another favorite Aussie of ours. Uh, she uh, was with us, of course, when we did Insidious the first time. She's playing Renai. Her name is Renee. Renee Lambert. And I know that Lee Wannell spelled it that way because that's definitely how it sounds when he says it. R-E-N-A-I. Never seen that before in my long well, life. I'm sorry, guys. That's not pronounced Renee. <laughs> it's Renai. Renai. <laughs> Renai Lambert. <laughs> Rose, Rose Byrne, of course, she was in Bridesmaids. She was Dorme in Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. We do love Dorme, even though she was with us for 30 seconds and then died. Yeah, bless her. <laughs> <laughs> We've got Ty Simpkins back with us today. He's playing Dalton Lambert, the possessed boy from the last installment. Yeah. Oh, he's in Jurassic World. He's also part of the fucking, in- part of the fucking MCU. <laughs> He dropped the phone. Uh, he dropped the phone so he could put his fingers in his eyes. I just... <laughs> how many people have to be... <laughs> it is an expansive universe. I'm, I'm done. I know. Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, Linda Shea. Lynn Shea, she's playing Elise Rainier with us here today. Oh, I love Elise. I do love Elise. She is the Insidious's... She's kind of like the insidious version of Lorraine Warren, you know? A little bit, yeah. Which, which is funny, because in the Conjuring verse, there is Lorraine Warren. She also reminds me of that tiny woman from Poltergeist. <laughs> like, could y'all take a few steps back? You're jamming my vibes. <laughs> she was in A Nightmare on Elm Street from 1984, like the OG. Yup, absolutely. She was, she's been in Amityville stuff, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, uh, Dead End, Ouija. And Ouija Origin of Evil. A total scream queen. Absolutely. Absolutely. The younger version of Elise will be played today by Lindsay Syme. She is unhyperlinked. Sorry about that, Lindsay. And hella dubbed. Yeah, hella dubbed. <laughs> we'll get back to it. They did a great job. Playing Carl today, we have Steve Coulter. He's like basically the Elise for this story. Like Elise is in it, but Carl is doing most of the Elise work in this story. <laughs> because Elise is dead. Yeah. Remember? She's dead. <laughs> And the younger version of Carl will be played by Hank Harris. He's in a lot of commercials. Is he? Yeah, like for Burger King and stuff like that. Oh, what? Yeah, seriously. Uh, Okay. We've also got returning with us today... Lee Huanel as Specs. Mm-hmm. Lee Huanel. He, of course, wrote the film, and he was in the Saw film, the very first Saw film. Indeed. He played Adam, the guy that was chained in the bathroom with Carrie Elwes. Oh, yeah, we did Saw. Yeah, yeah. we we did Saw in between those two. Yes, yeah. we did. He also wrote Dead Silence. I know. Which is just like a, it's a cherished favorite of mine, because I'm big time creeped out by dolls. Yeah, fuck the dolls. <laughs> oh, no. And returning today, we also have Angus Sampson. As Tucker. Yes. Looking much hotter than he did last installment. (laughs) Tucker's my type. (laughs) The tall, bearded dorks. I love them. We've also got Andrew Astor as Foster, you know, the other Lambert brother. We've got... uh, (laughs) The Spare. (laughs) Yeah, the Spare. Why do we always have to cast a pair of twins to play a child? In order to meet child labor laws. Wow. Yeah. I hate I hate everything about society. I I know. I oh my god. Because anyway. kids can only work 4 hours a day. We've got the Bowie twins playing little Callie. We've got um Danielle Bazuti 
playing the woman in white. Yeah. I, I called her in my notes. I, I said, Danielle Bissuti, like <laughs> with Italian hands, Bissuti. She plays the, um, the, she plays the CC Babcock character on True Jackson VP. Does she really? That old white lady who's also a fashion <laughs> editor. Uh, what's her name? Amanda. She's Amanda on True Jackson VP, which is just funny because now I'm seeing it. I never watched True Jackson VP, but I remember that actress and yeah, it is the same person. <laughs> oh my goodness. And then we've got Tom Fitzgerald and Tyler James Griffin playing the older and younger versions of Parker. Yeah. Parker Crane. All right, guys, just in case you didn't go back and listen to the previous episode, I'm going to give you a little recap. Previously in the Insidious franchise, mm-hmm. we have the Lambert family, right? Dad Josh, Mom Renai, and the three kids, <laughs> Dalton, Foster, and Callie. Renai. Renai. <laughs> and after moving into a new house, uh, Dalton, the oldest, has an accident in the attic, and he falls into a coma. And they bring him home, they take care of him for months, and then spooky stuff starts happening around the mm-hmm, house. Mm-hmm. And Josh's mother, Lorraine, eventually cops to the fact that this sort of haunting has happened to their family before when Josh was little. Thanks for that. Yeah. Lorraine. <laughs> so she calls in her old friend. And Dean, lover. And lo- Stop. I'm sorry. That was your headcanon, that I, Elise and Lorraine were lovers. I'm not giving up on this. She calls in Elise Rainier, the demonologist, to help them with Josh's little problem. Elise. Such a little problem. Yeah. It's so little. <laughs> yeah. We might as well not be noticing it. <laughs> She's like a ghost whisperer, right? And so Elise... It's one word for what she is. Yeah, for real. And Elise informs the family that both Josh and Dalton have the ability to astral project... And that got a big guttural <laughs> laugh out of you last time. It sure did. Because it's a little absurd. It is funny. But they're travelers. They can fall asleep and they can enter the spirit world. So Dalton's not in a coma. He's just, you know, fallen unconscious, wandered into the spirit world. It's called the further, Yeah, Carrie. it's called the further. And it's in between purgatory and hell. And he's drifted too far from his physical body. And that's why he can't wake back up. It's the void. Yep. And the ghosts and the demons are trying to possess his empty body so they can live again. And if we're th- if we want to think about this in scientific terms, all of the space in between him parting the plane that he's on and into the further, it's all one big open door to all the spookables. Yeah. Oh dear, like a revolving door. My goodness. And until he get until he gets back to his body, it's gonna be wide open. Elise has to make Josh remember that he can astral project so that he can go get his kid back. And when they eventually come back, Dalton is fine, Dalton is awake, but it's clear that another ghost, a woman in a black wedding dress, has returned to possess Josh's body because Josh then murders Elise off camera in the final scene of the first movie, and that's where the main narrative is going to pick back up. Uh, Yeah, we're literally starting right where we're we're almost going to start right where we left off. Just about, yeah. So we actually start off this sequel in flashback because obviously we heard a lot about Elise helping Josh as a young kid, but we never really saw any of that, right? Mm -hmm. So we begin at the Lambert home in 1986. And Josh at this point, I think is 10, 12. And uh, this is where we meet young Elise. She walks right up to that nice big old house. Lorraine opens the door and I'll tell you what, it was love at first sight. (laughs) 
Hi, I'm Elise. You must be Lorraine. Yes, nice to meet you. I'm sorry it's so late. My day job kind of makes raising my son a night job. Don't worry about it. In my line of work, things tend to happen when it gets dark. Here's the thing. I know you think they're together, but the reason I'm kind of a naysayer about that is because my headcanon is that Elise and Carl are lovers. No, nope. get out of here. I know. Get out of here with that headcanon. You're not There here. is no room for two headcanons. You're not you're not here for the hetero headcanon. I'm sorry. Carl needs to fuck off and let Lorraine and Elise enjoy what they have. <laughs> Carl is a contemporary of Elise's. He's a ghost hunter, demonologist in his own right. He's already here. He's already here setting up equipment. He's called in Elise to help with Josh's haunting problem. Help, I'm a man. I can't do it all myself. Let the women do the work. Let the women do the work. What's great about this scene is that obviously Elise and Carl appear later as their older selves. But number one, the actors they got to play the young versions of them really look like them as young people. But maybe don't sound like them as much. So they've gone to the pains of dubbing in the older actors' voices over their mouths. So there's a nice continuation of that performance. It's really good work, guys. It is really good. I, I, It was like the last time we watched this before this. Kirk Mori, editor on this film. Yeah. Props. Hats off to you. Absolutely. Lorraine is showing Carl and Elise the photographs that we saw in the last movie. Remember, every time Josh got his picture taken as a little kid, there was always that lady in black in the black wedding dress just getting closer and closer to him in the backgrounds of shots. And Josh doesn't like to have his picture taken. I wouldn't either if there was a spookable behind me in every shot. Yeah, we're always just seeing this uh, black veil bride. Oh my God. Like the band. Black Veil Brides. I completely forgot about Black Veil Brides <laughs> until I just said that. Whatever happened to those guys? I don't know. <laughs> Thought it was a camera problem. Then it became apparent that it was more than that. I interviewed the boy. He won't tell me anything. He's afraid. I'm afraid, too. There's something in this house. I can feel it. It doesn't want me here. And so Elise sits Josh down in front of a video camera, and Josh is telling Elise about these really bad dreams he's been having. (laughs) Do you like living here? (laughs) (laughs) No, ma'am, it's haunted. (laughs) And she, like, puts him in a trance. Like she does. Like she does. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just the fact that Josh remembers none of this in the first Insidious None of it. Well, it's because Elise made him forget about it. Okay, we'll get back to that in a second. Okay. But what Elise does is she gives Josh one walkie-talkie, and she takes the other one in her hand, and we're now going to play hot and cold. She's going to walk around the house with the walkie-talkie, and Josh, because he's in the trance, he can sense the presence of the spirits and he also knows where she is in the physical location Mm -hmm. so every time she moves to another room he's gonna be like hotter colder like trying to point out where the entity is hiding Mm. it's very creepy i don't like it and she walks upstairs and I love it because in this really old house, it's a beautiful house, by the way, like especially the interior. She has to walk by that window on the stairwell that's just got the one pane of red glass in it. Oh, I know. Isn't that just great? It is because it makes for a lot of really good organic lighting effects. Oh, it's so good. And so she goes into Josh's bedroom upstairs and she's checking under the bed. And then the closet doors open on their own. 
walks over to that closet and Josh is on the other end like you're red hot baby get out of there she was like please get out of there and I'm like what's in the closet please get out of there who are you what do you want She reaches into that closet, and something, we don't see what it is, but something reaches out of that closet and slashes her arm open. What happened? I saw a wood haunts him, and it's not a friend. It's a parasite. I've never felt such a malignant presence. It wants to be him. She runs downstairs and gets in Lorraine's face and is like, listen, this is a big mess. (laughs) Look at this wound. (laughs) Look at this wound on my arm. Are you fucking serious? (laughs) Your son is a traveler. Like, he can go places when he sleeps. He can see things that no living being is ever supposed to see. And, like, they're talking, and little Josh, still with his eyes closed in front of the camera, stands up and completely out of context just goes, I'll show you. And with his eyes closed, starts walking away from them. Um, Josh? Uh, Yeah, what the hell's going on? Josh, could you come back, son? And he points at this door. Again, with his eyes closed, points at the door. And the door opens on its own. And they're like, no! I'm done! And immediately, Elise, by whatever means that I'm sure I don't understand, makes Josh forget that he can astral project. Because if he doesn't know how to do it, he can't do it, right? If Elise had just realized that he would grow up to be Patrick Wilson and be so hot as to not be able to not procreate and pass this gift on to a child... Uh Uh-huh. I'm sorry, no, I Scary violin noises! (laughs) Would you like to feel everything all at once? (laughs) We cut to the present, and this is where we see Renee Lambert, Josh's wife. Renee. Renee. I'm sorry, guys. When we watched this film with the subtitles on, comprehending that that's how it's spelled, (laughs) R-E-N-A-I, Renee. And the neurodivergent urge to repeat it out loud. Renee. Submitting to a police interview. A woman died in her house and may have been murdered by her husband. She doesn't really know. It was Elise. I know. Her mother-in-law's lover. Stop. Sorry. Last night at approximately 10 p.m., Elise put your husband into a state of hypnosis. Uh, She did this as part of a ritual that she believed would allow him to project his unconscious into a spirit realm where he could locate your son and bring him back. I cannot believe she's telling this cop all of these things. Like, unvarnished truth, she's giving him all the details of what has happened to their family. And I'm like, how does she not expect to get 5150'd after this? What does that mean? That, thrown in a psych ward. For, oh, okay. L- like on a mandatory 72-hour hold or something like that. And, like, we get that whole scene again from the last movie where Renee finds Elise's body alone in the living room and the camera on the floor 
from where Elise took Josh's picture right before he strangled her. She took the picture to see if the camera would reflect Josh or a ghost. And it was definitely a ghost, which is why Renee isn't sure if Josh killed her or not. Exactly. That's the whole mystery now, isn't it? (laughs) But, But we know. We know. Renee just doesn't know yet. Renee. I'm right here. What? Oh, no, no, no. No, 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 no. Elise! Elise! Mom, get Dalton out of here. Call an ambulance. We cut to Lorraine's home, Josh's childhood home. Yeah, this big home that had room enough for her entire family to flee to if they needed. I guess. And was not (laughs) present in the first movie. Oh, you're saying that instead of buying a completely new house and moving that they should have gone to stay with Lorraine? Like, why are we here now? (laughs) Why weren't we here then? Because then the events of this movie would have played out and we were not done with the first movie Well, that's two houses. I'm sorry, Lorraine. You're a bitch. Like, yeah, the Lamberts are staying in this house while this whole murder investigation plays out because their house is currently, like, roped off with tape. It seems to be smart to put Josh in the place where this started happening, doesn't it? (laughs) Doesn't it? Well, they think the problem is gone. Dalton's awake. Everything seems normal except for the fact that Elise has died. Yeah, no, this movie should be called Insidious. Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) And, like, I guess there wasn't enough evidence to arrest Josh. Yeah, no, we never touch back on that. Because he's... Like, never. He's out walking around. I guess it's not a big deal. And, like, nothing seems weird with Josh. He's still... Uh, Are you kidding me? No, really. In the beginning, he still seems like himself. Uh, He seems a little too like himself. He definitely does not appear as though he's been possessed. He's playing the loving father, tucking in the kids at night. Which is insane because we literally just got back from astral projection. (laughs) How are we supposed to carry on as normal? I know. It also demands the question, why didn't Elise immediately take away Dalton's astral projection? But I guess she kind of died before she got the chance. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. (laughs) And like Renee is in the kitchen, minding her own business, and she hears the piano playing in one of the front rooms of the house. Lorraine? And she goes into the room. The room is dark and empty. Not a soul. No one in it. And then she sees that the radio is on. It's like playing the Claire de Lune or something. And she's like, oh, thank God. (laughs) I couldn't take that again. And she walks away from it. But when she goes upstairs, the piano starts playing again. And it's... Why is there still a piano? Why is there a piano? I mean, is that her thing? She is a musician. Yeah, exactly. Are you asking if the piano... Why does the haunted piano have to be in every installment? (laughs) It will actually become relevant, and you damn well know that. It's actually playing a song that she wrote for Josh. Yeah. But then again, no one's home. And, like, I hate... One of the things I do not like about this movie is how much mileage in jump scares we get out of this damn electronic baby walker. I hate that thing. Because Callie is to the age where she's starting to learn how to walk, and so we've got one of these walkers, baby walkers, with all the bells and whistles on it, so many buttons, it makes so much noise. (laughs) 
And like she smashes her shin into that baby walker and it scares the hell out of everybody. Burn it. Burn it with fire. <laughs> she like runs upstairs to check on the baby and the baby is in the middle of the floor. It's not with the zoom in on the cradle and it is not in there. But plot twist, she's right next to it on the floor. And then she picks that baby up. She bursts into Josh's room and is like, it's still happening. Let's go. We gotta go again! Still happening. What is? I heard the piano playing by itself downstairs and I found Callie on the floor of her room by her crib. Well, maybe she climbed out of her crib. Has she ever done that before? What? What is wrong with you? Renee, I, I just want us to move on from this. That's all. I want us to be a normal family again. There is nothing normal about this, okay? These things are still here. Of course Josh is naysaying. Everything is fine. <laughs> nothing is going to bother us anymore. <laughs> and, and like, Renee's like, what is wrong with you? Did you not remember the first movie? <laughs> And he's like, Renee, I don't want to deal with any of this anymore. I just want to be a normal family again. And we are all Renee. Yeah. We, <laughs> Michael, <laughs> I could give a shit about your happiness. <laughs> <laughs> Stop ignoring the ghosts. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what is that from? It's from, it's from the office. Oh. <laughs> Pam, I just thought you would want me to do it because it makes me happy. And I thought you wanted me to be happy. <laughs> oh, Michael, let, let me, me make, make this very easy, easy for you. you. I you could give a shit about, about your happiness. happiness. Stop dating my mother. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to start dating her even harder. What's that supposed to mean? You know what it means. Okay, hold on. <laughs> We've tangented. Ring it in. Okay. <laughs> oh, boy. And so, <laughs> she's like, how do you expect us to be normal? You literally astral projected mere weeks ago. <laughs> oh, man. But for the moment, it appears that she's going to stop obsessing about this. Elisa's dead. No one's talking about it. Someone murdered her, Josh. And I think it was you. Yeah, I know. I know. I have in all capital letters, Specs and Tucker are back. I'm so happy. I love them. Remember, they're Elise's assistants. And we are in Elise's house. Yeah, I guess Elise doesn't have any family. And they, I mean, would you? I mean, if I were like a lady, if I were a demonologist who's into the occult. You'd probably drive your family away. I mean. With all of that, you know. Probably. But like, I mean, of course they have keys to her house. They're her assistants. And they're going into the house. I really don't know why. I don't know if they're just going to start putting her things away. Way or what's going on. Yeah, I really don't know why we're here. But it doesn't matter because almost immediately the door to her reading room, like the room where she keeps all of the occult shit, mm -hmm. the little seance table and all that stuff, that door opens on its own. Lots of doors opening on their own in this movie. You yeah, know, the Spookables are really trying to lay the plot out in front of us. <laughs> And they're like, okay, well, better go see what that's about. And it's so dark and creepy down there. Okay, when they're trying to go into that room, but they neither one of them wants to go into the dark room. <laughs> and they play a game of Hunter Ninja Bear. <laughs> Which is basically rock, paper, scissors so, for nerds. Let's explain the mechanics of this. Um, <laughs> what beats what, okay? So, like, um, Hunter beats Bear. Ninja beats Hunter. And, and Bear, bear beats, beats Ninja. Ninja. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hunter Ninja Bear. That's bullshit. <sighs> That is a bear beat a goddamn ninja. Superior sense of smell, my friend. Is that how it works? I, it, Ross, it doesn't make sense any other way, but basically Tucker loses. He's got to go down first. And they go down into the reading room and they find 
all of these old VHS tapes. Mm-hmm. Convenient. Yeah, very convenient. Yeah. Oh, look. A marriage certificate. Exactly. And, like, one of the tapes has a label on it that says Josh Lambert, 1986. It just happened to be the only one that Tucker reads. Yeah, I know. I know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Elise obviously made all these tapes so she could go back and watch them and, like, improve her process and all that stuff. And to document the existence of Spookables. Mm -hmm. And we just cut away from that. We don't get any more context on that until later. We go back to Lorraine's house. And she goes in to check on the boys at night. I'm sure she does that a lot now, given that Dalton was asleep for six months. Mm -hmm. And Dalton is like half asleep. It's like that stage between sleep and awake where you can still communicate. And he's talking to her with his eyes closed. Please don't leave us again. Okay. <laughs> All right. God damn it. I know. All right. We just cleaned up this mess. <laughs> and like she starts checking out the house. She's walking through. It's pitch black. She's not turning a single light on. And of course we get another jump scare out of that damn baby walker. But there's also this woman in a white dress moving around in the background of these frames. <laughs> you know how it ekes me when there's ghosts moving around in the background. And we're not paying attention to them or seeing them. Oh my god. I, fo- I saw another one I'd never seen today when I was watching this. Lorraine is like in the bathroom and she thinks she sees her on the other side of the door. And she goes to open it. And when she opens it, it's Josh standing there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Josh, did you see her? I saw someone. No, you didn't. No, I did. There was somebody. Mom, there the- is no one here, no, okay? We- because if there was, that would scare my family. And I don't need Renee hearing any of that stuff right now. Understand? He's like, hey, Mom, could you not? You're scaring the hell out of my family. We're trying to scrape together some normalcy <laughs> no, here. He's like, Mom, no, 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 no. Renee is already doing this. I'm tired of this. I want to be normal again. And I'm like, Josh, we can't be normal again, son. <laughs> None of this is normal. The next morning, the boys are getting ready for school, and Dalton is telling Renee about a nightmare he had the previous night. It's the exact same scene that we just saw. Grandma comes in, he tells her that somebody's standing behind her, and he tells her that he could hear voices when he woke up. So he goes out into the hallway and found Josh just talking to himself Mm -hmm. in the hallway. You have to go, you have to go. You have to go. It was daddy. You have to go. And he was talking to someone. Josh, (laughs) who definitely murdered Elise. (laughs) Who's he talking to? Yeah, like... It reminds me of what you said in the Hill House recording the other day when you're like, stop acting nuts. Yeah. (laughs) Stop acting nuts. Like, he's really doing a lousy job of convincing his family that everything is fine. Everything's fine. You know, it's going to be okay. Renee is still trying to brush this off and not get obsessed with the fact that stuff is obviously still happening. And, like, that's where Lorraine goes to Elise's house. Because she's not going to be told not to worry. And Exactly. And, you know, she's been to Elise's house multiple times because, you know, lovers. Okay. Um, and, like... And she's like, listen, skinny guy, 
bigger guy. Nerds. <laughs> Spooky nerds, I need your help. <laughs> because whatever this thing is, fucking with my family, it's not done with us. Mm. And they take her down into the reading room and they show her that videotape that they found with the session from 86. Remember when little Josh stood up to go point out that door? Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. Mm-mm. They stop the tape. Mm-mm. And <laughs> like, I don't know, Tucker had to do all of this fancy footwork with like tuning up the footage and lightening the image. Spooky, wooky, timey, wimey. And in the background of the tape, you can see adult Josh standing over little Josh's shoulder. And you're like, what the fuck is that about? And why can videotape pick up ghosts and not anything else? No, I've never understood that. I've never understood that from like a quote scientific perspective. It's really not that strange though, because remember when Josh was in the further in the last movie and he came upon his smaller self? Mm-hmm. Like, it's we've seen that kind of thing before, but I don't think we expected to see the inverse of it where we saw it in the tape from 86. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile... Back at Lorraine's, the detective is calling Renee to give her an update on the case. Yeah, no, Renee wants to be glued to the hip of the police. Her husband might be a murderer, so she's a little on edge these days. But, like, they've had forensics examine Elise's body, and the bruises on her neck that caused her death are not a match to Josh Lambert's hands. Like, it's impossible for him to have made those marks. And she's like, oh, thank Christ. Okay. (laughs) Have a nice day, detective, you know. So they're just going to stop investigating him now. Like, drop that like a hot potato they did. Sitting on the stairs in relief, (laughs) Renee's just like sighing, but it's okay, Renee. Don't get too comfortable. (laughs) Because what comes skittering into the hallway? That damn baby walker! On its own. On its own. (laughs) And so she goes to the front of the house to push that baby walker back into the room. And I love the shot composition of this because she walks by the couch, nothing on the couch, and then she turns around and walks back the other way, and there's the lady in white with her back to Renee. And you're like, holy shit, James! Yeah, no. Oh my god! I don't like it! And like, Renee can hear her voice over the baby monitor. No, 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 no! No, 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 your boat! <laughs> No, 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 you're back. Roughly hear my screams. <laughs> oh, no. Terribly, 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 terribly. And, like, the lady in white is in Callie's room. I, I don't know why the ghosts are so interested in that baby. It's young. It's fresh. It'll last a while. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. But, like, the door to Callie's room is locked, and Renee is desperately trying to get the door open, and she can hear the lady in white speaking to her and hitting her. Yeah, I know. I'm like, she's hurting that baby. What a beautiful little girl. When she finally gets the door open, no ghost lady, 
No Callie. Mm. Callie's not in the crib. When she goes back down the stairs and into the hallway, and the stroller flies up and hits the wall. Yeah, it's some big-time paranormal activity nonsense. And, like, she looks up, and there's that lady in white. This is, like, the first good look we get at her face. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's so... Her dress is so neat. I love the style of it, especially the neckline. And she's got her hair pinned up in curls. And her face is just so... So ashen. I know. And creepy. But she's also violent. Kelly! 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 She slaps Renee into another plane. Yeah, and a little bit. Renee goes down and out. Like, she goes through a table. She does. That's how hard she hit the floor. So she's down for the count for a couple of minutes. This is where we cut back to Elisa's house and older Carl finally shows up. This is the literal dick that came in between them. Oh my God. I ought to put you in timeout for that. Do you think Carl's that important? I think Carl's lovely. And I think that he, at, at least he, was very much in love with Elise, okay? Okay. Like, they were really good friends, and they really understood each other, because they do the same stuff for work. Sure, sure. And I love it, because once again, Tucker is eating a Hot Pocket while he's meeting somebody. Oh my god. Always, he's always got food in his hands the first time he's meeting somebody. We can't take ourselves too seriously, right? <laughs> Hi, Carl. It's been a long time. Yeah. Looks like I did the aging for the both of us. Oh, please stop it. You met Spex. This is Tucker. Elise talked about you a lot. Oh. Yeah, said you were the second best person she ever worked with. Second best, that's, uh, that's generous. <laughs> <laughs> Lorraine's like, hi, Carl. Please help us talk to Elise. I know she's dead, but we really need her help right now. Because that's the only way we're going to solve, you know, the, the mystery behind the events that night in the house is if we can talk to her. So now we're going to do a little bit of appropriation. Yeah, yeah. We're going to play Seance Yahtzee. Which is scrying. Yeah, they're divination dice, right? Yeah. They're six-sided dice with letters on each side. And yeah, it's basically Yahtzee. He puts them in a cup, he rolls them out on the table, and the spirits spell out what they want him to hear. <laughs> you ask questions, we get answers through the tiny wooden blocks. Absolutely. They get around the table, seance style, very reminiscent of the past film, and they start trying to make contact with Elisa's spirit. It's not going very well at first. I feel like Carl's probably a little rusty. Elise, we are calling out to you. Tell us if you are there. Elise, please talk to us. Give us a sign that you can hear my voice. He's just speaking into the ether. Elise, are you here? And nothing comes out in the dice. He drops those dice a third time. And that's when they finally get the answer. The dice spell out, Yes. Mm-hmm. Elise, please tell me, are you here? Are you here? I'll go get this. No! Do not break the circle. Who killed you? We need to know. Tell us. 
police. We need to know who killed you. Tell us. She did. What does she want? I see it. Kill. <laughs> okay. K I L L. Where is she? Hiding. Where is she hiding? And the last dice roll, it spells out Lady Angles. Not enough letters for that, I guess. Mm -hmm. And apparently, it's the hospital where Lorraine used to work. And this is the beginning of some of my problems with the dialogue, because obviously a lot of exposition has to happen fast. So the delivery and the execution can sometimes be a little ham-fisted. Our Lady Angles? Our Lady Angles. What does that that mean? It's angels. Our Lady of the Angels. It's a hospital. I know because I used to work there. Okay. Oh, my God. All right, Elaine. Elaine? All right, Lorraine. See, I'm trying to combine Elise and Lorraine. (laughs) Yeah, you're trying to give them a couple names. Yeah. So naturally, we're breaking and entering into this decrepit old wing of the hospital. I don't even know if they know what they're looking for, but Elisa's spirit just told them to go here. Specs and Tucker are operating equipment. Lorraine and Carl are walking around, and they're kind of using Carl as a conduit to track the spooky energy in the hospital. Why is this still here? Why is the hospital still why there? Why do we even need to come here? Like, why is this condemned hospital just being allowed to sit here? You know, it's funny because this hospital, it's an actual hospital that we're in right now. And it's actually a very famous hospital, Linda Vista Community Hospital. It's been in over 30 movies. You're kidding. I'm, I'm not kidding. 30 films, mostly horror films. It um, kind of looks like the hospital from Halloween 2. It is the hospital from Halloween, too. Is it really? Yes, it is. Oh, wow, wow. Oh, my God. What was in this room? This was an ICU. I remember it very well. In a flashback, we see young Lorraine working as a doctor... Like, I'm like, oh, she's a doctor. We didn't get a crumb of that backstory in the last movie. Dr. Lambert. Dr. Lambert. It hurts, Dr. Lambert. Oh, Roz. Sorry. (laughs) And Josh is there with her. She is making the last of her rounds before she takes him home. She's a single mom, so I'm sure he sometimes has to be here when he really doesn't want to be. Yeah, where's Mr. Lambert? Uh, Yeah, we don't get a crumb of that backstory either. Mm. And they go in to see one patient. Parker Crane, who is white as a ghost, completely hairless, lying asleep in bed. And Lorraine is just talking over his vitals with the nurse and everything. While Josh is standing there minding his own business, that guy just sits up in bed and starts manhandling little Josh. (laughs) Help me, child. Oh, A few days later, I saw him again. 
for the last time. When she sees him again next week. Oh my God, guys. Yeah, the next week over, she's getting in the elevator. And then into the elevator with her walks Parker Crane, this patient, right? She's trying to make stupid little small talk with him. She's like, you shouldn't be out of bed. You should be resting. Silence. Nothing. And she's like, well, shit, okay. And then she goes up to the receptionist and she's like, hey, why is Parker Crane up walking around out of his room? Like, he should definitely be attended to. And the receptionist is like, hold on, hold on, Lorraine, Lorraine. What do you mean, walking around? I just rode down in the elevator with him. He should be in bed on the monitor with food. Lorraine. That patient died yesterday morning. What? He jumped to his death. He jumped to his death? From the hospital roof? And I'm sorry, Lorraine, you just worked a whole shift? Yeah, how did she not know about that already? Not hear about the patient jumping to his death? One of her patients. That makes no sense, Lee. That makes absolutely no sense. None of this makes any sense. (laughs) How is it supposed to all tie in with the demon? Oh, we're going to get there. And like, why? It doesn't. I'm sorry, but you know it doesn't even make sense when it does all get explained. (laughs) (laughs) Of course not, Ross. You don't. Yeah, because like, never mind. (laughs) Never mind. This is also where we learn that Parker Crane was in the hospital for attempting to castrate himself. Uh... Yikes. Uh, I'm not going to explain it. Go look it up if you don't know what it means to be castrated. Go ahead. Those of you who grew up on a farm, I know you know what I'm talking about. Um, Cut to Josh rotting from the inside out. Yeah, he is standing in the bathroom mirror, pulling molars out of his own head. No, not yet. Please, no. Josh, what's going on, bud? (laughs) Tell your family. Tell someone that can help. You can't do it all alone, buddy. That lady in white is standing behind the shower curtain, and we just see, like, her vague shape speaking to him. His body is rotting because it's possessed. I was going to say, no, guys, we haven't figured it out so far. Something's not right with Josh. Remember when uh, we still haven't talked about the way that um, Renee went down on the table and he just found her? And did nothing? Yeah. He just picked her up and put her on the couch and left her there? Where's the baby? (laughs) Carrie, where's the baby? I don't know, Ross. I really don't know, because she obviously wasn't in the crib before Renee got slapped. I don't... (laughs) And she hasn't made a lick of noise the whole time Josh has been home. Oh, no, yeah, but this is where she wakes up is after the whispering in the bathroom with Josh. You're okay. You're okay. Where's Kelly? She's fine. She's in her room sleeping. It's fine. No, she's not. No, she's not. She's asleep. Um, where's Callie? And Josh is like, she's fine. She's in her room. And she's like, the hell she is! (laughs) 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 Goes running up the stairs, Callie. Callie, and of course, there she is. And he's like, see, I told you. She's fine. And Renee's like, don't you dare try to fucking make me feel like nothing's going on right now. He's gaslighting her. And this is where he gets in her face. I can't relax. There's ghosts everywhere. It's like we're already dead. No, it's not. No, it's not. This is nothing like being dead. I know. I have seen it. I have seen where these things exist. They want what you have. Life. 
but they have no power over you. All you have to do is ignore them, and they will go away. Ooh, there's a lot of energy in that. Yeah, I know. What is going on? And this is where they are interrupted by more piano playing on its own. Mm, mm, This damn piano. We go downstairs to the piano room, and like Renee's like, see, see, I told you weird stuff was happening. There's no one in there. And she plays the tune for him again. He's like, what song is that? What are you talking about? That's the song that's been playing. What song? What are you talking about? You don't know that song? No, I don't. That's my song. The song I wrote for you. Well, it's not the song that we should be worried about. Oh, no, it's not him! The way he literally walks away from her. Yeah! Yeah, and it's like, oh, well, I don't know how to respond properly to this <laughs> because I'm not Josh. Yeah. So I'm going to walk into another room I guess that like it's not happening. I guess that ghost's not very good at improv. <laughs> he goes and gets a bat and pretends to check the house over. Yeah, he's like, yeah, this is what a dad would do, right? I, I have no idea, but sure. We're back with the Scooby gang, Lorraine, Carl, Specs, and Tucker, and they are in the middle of committing their third misdemeanor for the evening because they broke into patient records at the hospital and got the patient records for Parker Crane and got his address off of the patient records, and now they are breaking into his old house. When Tucker punches the glass out of the pane... Hey, look. They left the window open. No one has lived in this house for decades. There's stuff everywhere. It's dirty. It's antiquated. The smell is apparently foul. And they're all wandering around in the dark with flashlights. Again, I have no idea what they think they're looking for. They are just here because Elisa's spirit led them here. And (laughs) I love this because Specs and Tucker go upstairs into this child's bedroom. And Tucker's like, I'm betting this was Parker Crane's old bedroom. And Specs is like, I don't know. There's like pink bedding and dolls and it's a little girly for a boy. Yeah, yeah, no, this is looking super gendered. But it's like there's a dollhouse and Tucker's all offended. He's like, I had a dollhouse. It seems a little girly for a boy's bedroom, don't you think? What? I mean, look at this dollhouse. What? I had a dollhouse. This is a Rhode Island Red. He knows the name of the dollhouse. This is a Rhode Island Red. Tucker. I love Tucker. Tucker. Oh, my God. Oh, and there's also that chorus line of rocking nopes in the corner. (laughs) Remember the rocking nope? (laughs) The rocking horse? Yeah, the rocking horse that were going by themselves in the first movie. (laughs) And there's a, you're right, there's a whole chorus line of rocking nopes. (laughs) And as the rocking nopes are going, we hear this child's voice. sitting on the bed with her back to them. And it's just so spooky because we can't see her face. We can just hear her tiny little voice. She turns her head a little bit towards them and goes, You can't be in here. If she sees you, she'll make me kill you. 
And the way Specs and Tucker just silently nod in agreement. <laughs> yeah. They go, okay. And then they leave. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, I don't want to deal with that. I need more movies in the Lee James Wanaverse with them in it. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. Back at Lorraine's, Dalton is asleep. And one of the plot elements we haven't discussed yet is that Dalton and Foster have been playing with, you know, the old thing where you put two tin cans on either ends of a string. And then you if you pull it real tight, you can talk to each other mm-hmm. like a little telephone. Mm-hmm. And he's got one end of it in bed with him. And someone starts saying his name through the can. And he's like, Foster, shut up. Go to bed. <laughs> Stop, Foster. Just go back to bed. You're going to get us in trouble. I'm not Foster. (laughs) Dalton's like, okay. And then reaches over, turns on his light. (laughs) He is now bolt upright. And the other end of that can is in the closet. The closet from the beginning. Mm, You mean Josh's closet? Yeah. And the doors, again, open on their own. And Dalton doesn't run. He doesn't scream. He picks up that can like it's normal and starts talking to it. Uh, Who are you? What do you want? And, like, there's just the longest silence. This jump scare is wild because I honestly couldn't remember what was going to come popping out of that closet, but I knew something was about to come out of that closet. It was so disturbing. I I know. It really got me. Because there's just something about the way it's framed and the way that it's acted that it does look like something you could see in your bedroom in the middle of the night. Yeah, I know. It's very freaky. This young woman comes running out of the closet... She's ashen, her hair is wet, she's dirty, Mm -hmm. and she's yelling, but we can only hear it through the can. That just sends chills through my entire body. It's not okay. It's not okay. And we turn around and we're not in our body anymore. <laughs> and there are spookable people standing all over the bedroom. He's traveling again. He's He's gone into the further. I love the way he's staring around at all these women. All of these dead women in his bedroom. Mm-hmm. And he's like, nope, nope, nope. Gotta crawl back into my body. gets down under the sheets trying to protect himself from them and they're just clawing at him grabbing at him and he wakes up and Renee's trying to rouse him she can tell he's having a nightmare and his sheets have been shredded Mm. it's full of holes from where they tore holes in it because remember when he had like the claw footprint on his bed sheets in the (laughs) first movie she's like explain this (laughs) yeah back at Parker Crane's house Carl is trying to use the dice 
to ask Elisa's spirit why she led them there. Because obviously they're not getting it. Mm-hmm. They've been wandering around for like an hour. <laughs> okay, spooky little girl, old man in hospital, what are we fucking dealing with? And nothing is coming up in the dice. The, the ghost is not speaking to him. And Lorraine finds this big old ornate oil painting that depicts the woman in white with the little girl we saw on the bed. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is the woman in my house. What the hell? And while she's looking at it, we can see the ghosts loosening the screws on the chandelier <laughs> over her head. Yeah. I'm like, Dobby, is that you? Dobby. <laughs> Carl. This is the woman who was in my house. I wrote, nice tackle, Carl. Good save. (laughs) That was almost another death on someone's head. And Carl goes straight to the dice because he now knows what it's about, right? Mm -hmm. He goes to the dice and he says, you're not Elise, are you? Oh, no, it's not Elise we've been talking to this whole time. They've been on a wild goose chase this whole fucking time. Rolls the dice. What do they say, Carrie? It wants to kill them. He's like, who are you? And he drops the dice and it says, Mother Mortis. Mother of death. What does that mean? It's literal. It simply means the mother of Parker Crane. Again, Lee, I'm coming for you on this. I do not love the dialogue in this part of the movie. I just... It's a little Mm ham-fisted because they're trying to explain things, but they're also supposed to be scared, and it just comes out a little wooden. Literally, the mother of Parker Crane. Like, Mm -hmm. we got it, Carl. We got it, okay? So now we know that the lady in white is Parker Crane's mother. But it still doesn't answer the question of who the little girl is. Yeah. Like, the, the little girl has really not been part of the hauntings that are happening at Lorraine's house at all. Okay. It's time to talk about why this house stinks so bad. Oh. My God. First of all, you know how I love me a bookcase door. Mm. Like a secret room. I do love me a bookcase door. But, like, this, this is so, it just, it makes me want to barf. They push aside this bookcase, and this room that's on the other side of it, it's almost like it's been set up like a little chapel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's like eight pews, there's an aisle between the pews, and the pews are full of female corpses covered in bed sheets, (gasps) just lined up like they really are in church. Yeah, I know. Tucker goes to lift one of those sheets, and he barely gets it up before he's retching. Yeah, it's, uh, what's going on here, Parker? Like, why are these people here? There's like 15 bodies in this room. There's also an exposition trunk in the corner. Uh, Yeah, exposition trunk, yes. (laughs) Beep, beep, exposition trunk. We see newspapers about the bride in black. Yeah, remember the creepy lady from the pictures with Josh when he was a kid? One of the victims managed to elude the killer. Police said she described her attacker as an old woman dressed in a black wedding gown. And Vale, Bright and Black claims his 15th victim. Victims? Here's what doesn't make sense to me, because the news clipping says that the bride in black 
claims 15th victim, but they're not in the further right now, right? Which means that these 15 bodies behind this bookcase are real and actually here. And if that's true, that means they haven't been discovered by police. Which means... So so how does anybody know that these missing women were murdered? There's no body. Yeah, and how do we know that it's this bride in black? Like, does is there some kind of calling card? Is there, like, a thank you note on wedding stationery sent to the family a week later? Like, make it make sense. And I guess Carl has Theodore Crane powers because... Oh, no, yeah, I guess he's clear fucking voyant. Like, what? He touches that mannequin with the black wedding dress on it, and he can see the horrible things that happened in that room. <laughs> Parker wore that dress to commit his murders. It was his disguise. He killed for his mother because she forced him to. Yeah, I don't like this sequence. Oh, with that woman tied up in the corner, gagged and screaming. Watching this man dress up as a bride in black. And like putting on the makeup and sharpening the tools to mutilate her. Murdering these women because he's not one. Also, transphobic? Here's the thing. I don't think we can talk about that until the end for obvious reasons. Okay. Because if we talk about it now, we're going to give it away. But... Going on. Yes, I do want to come back to that later. The next day, Specs and Tucker and Carl start executing this plan to subdue Josh. Because now they know he's possessed by Parker's ghost. Mm -hmm. They're going to sedate Josh, and then they're going to try and draw Parker out of his body. And they've rigged Carl up with a wire so that Specs and Tucker can stay in the van and hear the conversation that Carl has with Josh. And I just love it because they're trying to agree on a panic word, like a safe word. Like, if, if things get out of hand, you can say this word and we'll bust in there and help. Mm-hmm. Sing out if you need us. Mm-hmm. The code word is quesadilla. Say it with me. Quesadilla. I thought we agreed on unicorn as the code word. Uh, quesadilla is easier to bring up a conversation. Not at all. How would you bring up quesadilla in a conversation? It's lunchtime. It's quesadilla guys, time. Guys, I love guys, quesadilla. Guys, Can I have guys, a quesadilla? Guys, really? I don't think it matters. The way he's like, guys, 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 you're both idiots. Yeah, no. <laughs> Which, guys, I don't know if you've put this together yet, but, you know, just like the first movie, if somebody's body is being possessed by a ghost, that means their real person like their personhood, their spirit is trapped in the further. Mm-hmm. Which means while Parker Crane's been walking around in Josh's body this whole time, Josh has been alone in the further, just screaming at everybody, like, notice me! Also, remember the bride in black being in the beginning of Insidious? Yes. Like yes. in the opening credits, mm-hmm. the bar- the bride in black is literally in his closet uh-huh. at the very beginning of Insidious. Yeah, I know, I know. Carl goes up to the door, and he gives some cock and bull story about needing closure from Elise's death. Yeah, and poor Josh, you know, he just, he looks like a ghost. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) you're fired. (laughs) 
But to your point, yes, he is very ashen. He's he's rotting from the inside out. There there is a voided entity inside of him. He's visibly older as well. When voided energy is in your body, man, oh, you just shut down. Get some really great makeup on him just to make him look a hot fucking mess. Carl and Josh sit down and they're just having a conversation. Carl is asking him questions about the night of Elise's death. Josh goes to the kitchen to get Carl a glass of water. And while he's gone, Carl's futzing with the hypodermic needle, trying to get it ready to sedate him and everything. Mm -hmm. And Josh comes back with one hand behind his back and the most sinister, creepy smile on his face. An insidious look. An very insidious look, yes. What you got there? Oh, Oh, uh, nothing. I thought maybe you were playing with your dice. Excuse me? Mother tells me you like to play with dice. Did she? Wow. I didn't realize you guys had spoken this morning. The way he's taunting him, like... I know, it's it's not okay. He's like, excuse me? He's like, (laughs) mother tells me you like to play with dice. And I'm like, mother? (laughs) (laughs) Never once has he ever called Lorraine mother. (laughs) Yeah. It's always mom. And he's like, it's how I do my readings. And he goes, ah... And I'm like, I don't like this. I don't like creepy possessed, Josh. He's like, what do you have behind your back there, Josh? And Josh with that smile. Why don't you ask your dice what I have behind my back? Come on. It'll be fun. What is Josh? What is Parker Crane? Holding behind his back. He drops those dice and they spell out knife. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, the way Josh just pelts that coffee mug at his head. Trying to stab him. Yeah, like there's a tussle and like Josh has him from behind. He's got him in like a full Nelson or whatever the fuck you call that where you're choking him from behind and poor Carl's just choking. Quesadilla, quesadilla. Oh my god. <laughs> And Specs and Tucker jump out of the van and run in to help. And Tucker initially comes in clutch with this taser, but then Josh stabs him in the leg, and Specs gets knocked out cold, and like everybody's down. We just cut away from the action. And when we cut back, Carl is now in the further. Why is that? That's a very good fucking question. Why is Carl just all of a sudden in the further? Well, at this time, we're led to believe it's because he's dead. He's not McDead. (laughs) You're right. He survives the ordeal. Why is he in the... I mean, I guess you can be the... I guess he's a fucking clarifier. I don't know! (laughs) (laughs) You're right. This is bullshit. We're riding ourselves in circles. (laughs) And, like, when Carl comes to in the further, Josh is the welcome wagon. He's like, hello, welcome to purgatory. Yeah, I know, it's Josh. (laughs) He's like, welcome to the land of the dead. Here's a gift basket, a condolence card. (laughs) Oh, and by the way, can you help me get back to my body, please? Yeah. (laughs) He killed you. I'm sorry. That thing is going to murder my family if I don't get back. I am trapped here. I'm getting weaker the longer I'm away from my body. It's so awful 
he's been here the whole time and he can see his family living life around him. Because remember, in the further, everything just exists all at once. Mm -hmm. There is no sense of time. Mm -hmm. You can just wander in and out of memories and things that are currently happening. They make the most logical decision. They're like, well... If we're here, that means Elise is here somewhere. And we gotta go find her ass, because God knows we don't have a map app to navigate this hellscape. This is all going to be so confusing. Yeah, for a hot second, it's gonna be very confusing. Because literally, like, the next 15 minutes of this movie is a lot of, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god! Like, remember that from the first movie? Yeah, no, we're going back to the first movie. Because... They come upon this ghost. Again, I don't know what he's doing there. He's just there being creepy. But he's repeating over and over again. He's got your baby. He's got your baby. Oh, yeah, that was disturbing. Where he's right in front of him, but he can't see him, but Carl can. Oh, no. What's he saying? He's got your baby. 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 And that ghost points them to the Lambert house from the first film. Remember that scene in the first movie where there was all that trouble at night? The door kept opening on its own. The, the security alarm was going off. And there was that big scary man in Callie's room. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, this is where all of that gets some additional context, right? Because it's Josh hammering on the door. That is the knock, knock, knock they got when all of that mess started. Mm -hmm. It's Josh begging them to let him in. And, like, he forces that door open, and that's when the security alarm goes off. Yeah, from the first movie. This is when you were talking about how this causes that deep sinking feeling in your tummy where you're scared because someone's in the house and they don't know that you know it yet and you're just so alone and afraid. Yeah, no, it's really, guys, that's the thing. There was never anything to be scared of. Because it was Josh the whole time? It was Josh the whole From time. From the future? <laughs> yeah, kind of. I've This is st- it's not stupid. I think it's interesting. It's a little silly. I mean, maybe a little, but whatever. <laughs> and like... Josh goes up to Callie's room because obviously Callie's the one he's worried about and that big ghosty is in her room. Remember in the first movie when Renee brings Josh back to her room there's no one there. Mm -hmm. And this is why because Josh starts beating the living snot out of him or the non-living snot out of him Mm -hmm. I should say. Mm -hmm. And like he's losing this fight (laughs) because the other guy's huge. And this is where Elise comes in clutch with the lantern. I can't tell you how happy I get when she shows up. I know, it's Elise! Because just like I said in the last movie, she's such a welcome presence in this horrible environment. I wish I could say it's good to see you. I'm so sorry. You shouldn't be here. We all pass through this place eventually. Hopefully on our way to someplace better. 
She knows what she's doing. She does know what she, she must know what she's doing because the crazy thing is she's not trapped here. She's not trapped in the further. She's already gone on to what we call a better place. And she came back from the better place to help out these two dorks. She's got a day pass from God. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh my God. That's too funny. She tells them, you know, we can draw Parker Crane out of your body if we access his memories of when he was alive. And because everything is wibbly wobbly timey wimey in the further, we can do that. We could go to Parker's house and see some of his memories mm. from when he was alive. Yes. And Josh is like, I don't know where the house is. I only ever saw it, you know, in my dreams when I was traveling as a kid. And she's like, hmm. And this is where Elise gets a cracker idea. (laughs) She's like, why don't we send you into the place where you can be seen on the camera? (laughs) Yeah. She sends him back to the first scene where little Josh is sitting in front of the camera. And this is why we see him in the background of that still. He's trying to ask his younger self for directions. Josh. I need your help. I don't have any memories of the old woman anymore. But you do. I need to know where she lives. That's why little Josh stood up and said, I'll show you. He was talking to his older self. What the fuck? I know. It's absolutely nuts. And little Josh goes over to that door and points at it. And it opens again. But the reason it opens on its own is because Carl goes to open it. I just, I love Elise. So that's what that was about. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Lee, come on, sweetheart. Back in the land of the living... Renee and Lorraine have arrived back at her house, expecting to find Carl, Specs, and Tucker standing over a sedated Josh. But instead, they find Josh sitting in the dark, spinning one of Carl's dice on the dining room table. (laughs) Josh? Hi, honey. Waiting for the boys. They're not home yet. Did my friend Carl stop by today? No, I don't think so. His acting's so wicked good, man. I can't get over it. He unsettles me. I'm fiercely attracted to him. Yeah, I and, know, and then he starts acting all crazy, and you're like, oh, where's my sweet, beautiful hottie? I know. <sighs> and, like, a struggle ensues, and Lorraine gets locked in the bathroom, and Josh chases Renee. Renai. Renai. Mm-hmm. Josh chases Renai into the kitchen, where she gives him a few really good whacks with that big pot. <laughs> It makes a great noise when she hits him with it. (laughs) And, like, she's running away from him, and he beans her in the back of the head with that tea kettle. Remember the noise I made when we were watching it? Yeah. I was like, ooh! Yeah. Bet that smarted. And, guys, it's really bad news, because while that's happening, outside, the babysitter is dropping Foster and Dalton off. 
<laughs> girl, not this. Your your father is inside tearing your mama's ass up. And not in the way she would prefer. You are a miserable, ungrateful bitch, yeah, Josh he, says to Renee. He's on top of her, choking her with his hand. You are a miserable, ungrateful bitch. You have no idea how much you have wasted your life being afraid of the dead. Because pretty soon, you're going to be one of them. And when I take you to my home in the dark, you'll realize how happy you should have been for your brief little moment in the sun. And God, she would be dead too, were it not for little Dalton. I know. Appearing like an action hero holding a baseball bat just cracks his daddy in the skull, no questions asked. I love it. Chef's kiss. They escape into the basement. Yeah. Renee locks herself and the boys in the basement. And meanwhile, in the further, Carl and Josh and Elise have found their way to Parker Crane's old house. And they go into that bedroom where Specs and Tucker were before with the dollhouse and the little girl sitting on the bed. And the rocking nopes. Yeah, the chorus line of rocking nopes. And Josh goes to touch that little girl on the shoulder. And this is where we get the shock of our lives as an audience, right? Mm. Because that little girl reaches up to her head and pulls that wig off of her head. And you can see... It is a little boy. It's a little boy. Named Parker Crane. My name is Parker! What is this? Did you do this? Don't you dare! This scene makes me so uncomfortable because his mother is holding up that drawing that he made for her and he signed his name on it. He signed it Parker. To mommy from Parker and she's like, you know what? You let him hear what she's like. This is... Ooh, this, again, goosebumps on my eyelids. That is not your name! Parker! It's not your name! That is the name your father gave you. Your name is Marilyn. Do you understand? Repeat after me. My name is Marilyn. So here's where I think it's appropriate to talk about this, because, yes, the whole idea of a man dressing up in a black wedding dress and killing women because he's not a woman, that on its face is transphobic in nature. Like, I mean... But you're like, okay, let's break down Parker's character a little bit because his mother literally forced him into the opposite gender. Yeah, that's the thing, is using trans, using transness or different gender identities as a plot device in horror movies and thrillers is an old story. See, Dress to Kill, there are other examples. Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, Silence of the Lambs, that's also a good one. But that is not what's happening here, I feel like, because it's not like Parker wants to be a woman he doesn't, he actually doesn't want to be. He gets so angry with her. My name is Parker. Like, I'm a little boy. Yeah, and she's like, nope, you're a little girl. Sorry. And she's been forcing him to live as a little girl. And and again, this is my sissy ass talking, but if anything, all it does to me is underline that if you force a child to live outside of the identity that they, you know, have... It's going to warp him. Oh, you mean so like forcing a little boy to live as a girl will make him hate his mother and all women? A little bit. Yeah. A little bit because not only like does his mother insist that he be a woman, but 
he also can't really live up to her expectations of it. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, you would develop a hatred for women that way. It's when the, it's when, uh, Michelle is her name. Yeah, her name's Michelle, but I, just, I like calling her the lady in white. It's the, way it's, scarier. It's when the lady in white is like touching his face. It's like, now you be a good little girl, a good little, and is like trailing off and looks directly at the three of them standing there witnessing this memory. It's like she's just become aware that they're standing there. Yeah. And she points at them and screams. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> They get propelled out of the room. (laughs) Like, whatever this thing is, that is a powerful, malevolent presence, baby. Mm -hmm. That woman was unhinged. Oh, my God. No wonder she's torturing everybody. Back in the land of the living, Dalton is proposing that he go to sleep so he can go travel and try and find his dad in the further. Like his daddy did for him in the first Insidious. And Renee is like, are you out of your tiny mind? Yeah. No way! But Josh is upstairs doing his best Jack Torrance impression, trying to get through that door by bashing it with a fire extinguisher, so they really don't have a lot of choices right now. Oh. He manages to get through that door, only to find Renee waiting for him. She's armed with one of those really heavy wrenches and she starts bludgeoning him with it and she's turning shelves over on top of him. She's just trying to buy time so that he won't murder Dalton and take over his body. And in the further, Josh has been separated from Carl and Elise. I can't remember exactly how that happens. I think he literally just walks into a room and it shuts on him. Mm -hmm. And he's locked in there now with all of those Black Bride victims. (laughs) Love it. Standing under the bed sheets. Good for you, Josh. And like now he's going to play hide and spook with Parker's mother. Uh... All of them standing under their sheets. And she's like, where am I? Yikes. Yeah, no, it's not okay. And on the other side of the door, Elise is trying to get in. And she can't because the spirits won't let her through the door. And this is where she has to appeal to Tiny Parker's memory Mm -hmm. to get him to help her. Parker, help me destroy the memories of her. It will set you free. Please, let me in. Open the door. And of course, the little ghost boy helps her, gets the door unlocked for her, and Elise goes through the door, and she can see that Josh has finally pulled the sheet off of the lady in white, and now she has got him elevated, clutched at the neck, choking the life out of him. Mm -hmm. And Elise picks up that rocking nope and bashes the lady in white over the head with it. Got her with the rocking nope. (laughs) It was Elise in the bedroom with the rocking nope. (laughs) 
She did it just in time to stop uh, real-life Josh from taking a hammer to his own son. Yeah, but seriously, like, she bashes her on the skull, and then Josh, like, drops the hammer in the real world. And I literally wrote, I wrote, she beat the devil out of him. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Because she did. She hit him hard enough with that rocking nope that it severed the connection between Parker Crane and Josh's body. (laughs) And then Elise is like, okay, time to go. We have to, you have to get back, like, now. (laughs) Absolutely now, before something else crawls into your body. (laughs) Which she's like, Josh, go now. I wish I could take you with me. I can't. But you can take Carl. What? I told you you don't belong here. I felt your heartbeat when I hugged you. You're still alive. It's time to move again. But you both have to go now. Go now. Honestly, that moment was a huge relief for me. I was like, oh, not Carl, too. And then she's like, no, you're alive. You can go back. Which, yes, leaves the question, why did he end up in the further when he lost consciousness? Why are we here? Maybe maybe Carl can travel, too. Okay? That could work, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Oh, but then Dalton finds them. Yeah, that's Wandering around in the nothingness. Because he went to sleep with the tin can phone in his hand. And so he's been carrying it around with him. And when he finds them, he can follow the string back to their bodies. Mm -hmm. Such a smart little boy. And Dalton wakes up. (gasps) Like they all come back to life. Mm -hmm. They wake up and Josh wakes up in his own body. And like, I love the look on Renee's face because she's like, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. Yeah, I know. Renee's like, are you you? I'm going to stay over here until I know you're you. Like, And he's like, it's me. It's yeah, me. It's pr- really me. I promise it's me. Renee, it's me. It's okay. I, I tried reaching you. I tried everything. I, 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 I played your song. I should have known it was you. You only you could play it that badly. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I've been trying to get a hold of you this whole time. I've been trying to get your attention. Carrie, who was playing the piano? Josh was playing the piano. He was playing the song that she wrote for him to get her attention. Yeah. To let her, to let her know he was still there. It, that does hurt my heart, thinking about him suffering. That shot we saw earlier of him sitting at the piano screaming yeah. because he can't get anybody's attention. He's like, that petty, insecure bitch took my body, Renee. <laughs> I love her, too. She's like, I should have known. Only you could play it that badly. Okay, (laughs) Renai. I do get a little weepy there at the end because he went and saved Dalton, and then Dalton saved him. I know. It's so beautiful. And we wrap this all up with Carl and the family, right? (laughs) Yeah, because... Our little little, uh, time and space travelers here, uh, Josh and Dalton, they're like, okay. No more of this. Not even accidentally, if we could. (laughs) Yeah, please. Let's not be able to travel anymore. So yes, just like Elise, Carl puts them both in a trance and makes them forget about their ability to walk through the world of the undead. Close your eyes. Both of you. Now take a deep breath and just listen to the ticking. 
Now feel yourselves getting sleepier and sleepier and let the darkness drift further and further away. Okay, somebody needs to call Carl and get him over to mine. Yeah? So that he can make me forget about half the cringy shit I've done in my life. (laughs) Yeah, I understand what you mean. Time to take care of those pesky memories. (laughs) (laughs) It's like that feeling I get when I see Facebook memories of statuses I posted in like 2009 and they're so bad. I wish that every tweet and post of mine before 2018 would just vanish. And then guys, that's kind of the end of our narrative with the Lambert family. Like neither Josh nor Dalton can travel anymore. They shouldn't be having any more problems from here on out. Wrong. Oh. Lies. You mean because we're going to get another movie next year? It's called Insidious Fear of the Dark. And it's going to be a continuation of Dalton's story. It's about Dalton at college. (laughs) Great. Yeah, Lee, I can't wait to see how you write yourself out of that one, baby. Let's bring the Spookables to a college. Scream did the same thing. Halloween did the same thing. I know, I know. We have to take it to where all the kids are, you know. And so the way this movie ends, I actually kind of love it because you wonder what happens to everybody after that. Not just the Lambert family, but also the Scooby-Doo gang, right? A little where are they now? Uh Uh-huh. And we cut to Specs and Tucker on the front porch of a new family. Once again, Tucker's eating a Hot Pocket. And they knock on this door and they say, Hi, we currently have a message from your loved one who is now in a catatonic state. Yeah. Who are you guys? Uh, we, we help people, ma'am. People who've been afflicted by... Who's the lady? What lady, honey? The lady standing behind them. Elise is with them. But she, not with them. Yeah, she's like with them in the further, right behind them. She's so cute. She looks at the little girl and she puts her finger to her lips like, shh, don't tell on me. Mm-hmm. You know, keep it a secret. And we go to, I think her name's Anna, Natalie. I cannot remember. But this woman who's living in their house, who's a family member of theirs, is in like this catatonic state. Not moving, not speaking, barely breathing. This is what's happened to her as well. When she was resuscitated in the hospital, something else came back. And it's an old friend, right, Ross? Because Elise looks up and she can see in the corner. Your good old friend, the crickling, crackling, lipstick lesbian demon. Stop. (laughs) Lipstick face demon. It's not funny. She looks so horrified. We don't even get to see the thing. Granted, we've already seen it, Mm -hmm. but it's just the idea that it's right there in the corner waiting for a continuation of this narrative. (laughs) (laughs) And then the streams! (laughs) Oh, man. Would you like to feel everything all at once? God. Oh, my God, guys. That's it. 
Yeah, guys. We did Insidious Chapter 2. It's probably the last of the Insidious movies for a long while, yeah, I think. Don't do Insidious Chapter 3 and then call it a prequel. I'm sorry. <laughs> don't do that. It should be called Chapter 0? Negative 1? I don't know. Chapter negative one. Chapter negative one. But yeah, guys, if you do like that franchise, if you like those characters, I actually do kind of recommend watching the other movies. They're not fabulous, but Elise is in them, and she's just wonderful in her own right. If you want Elise to come and hold your hand in the middle of all of the terrifying strings. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And again, I just kind of love that as a horror sequel. It's a relatively good one compared to others. Yeah, usually the sequels are kind of shite and really not worth it. Like, By the way, Halloween 2? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I'm sorry, it's Laurie Strode running around screaming in a hospital the whole time. <laughs> because of course it is. And you know, Halloween Ends just premiered. Yeah, Michael did. Myers is finished. Yeah. One, one way or a fucking another, he better be. <laughs> I'm sick of this. Let Jamie Lee Curtis retire. Because it's about trauma. 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 But we're off topic. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, there's just that level of continuity and emotional depth and really great effect work is kind of rare in sequels. I mean, sometimes they get more money because they think it's going to make a lot of money, right? So sometimes they get a bigger budget. But even then, like the story can get really muddled with jump scares and overdone effects, that kind of stuff. I mean, honestly, my biggest complaint effect-wise about this movie is the the goddamn baby walker because it happens like four times yeah i know they relied heavily on the baby walker yeah it it just that beat that it beat that walker way too hard it's really the machinations of the universe that hold it together right the idea of the further the idea that there are people who can astral project Mm -hmm. to the further and time's not real time's not real (laughs) and like when you astral project you just leave a big open door for the spookables to come through i always try to close the door behind me when i astral project yeah absolutely i always try it's just polite <laughs> it's just polite well we weren't born in a barn i wouldn't let all those spook wolves get in after me of course not oh, no absolutely Guys, if you thought these selections have been spooky so far, mm-mm. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. it uh-uh. doesn't compare to what we're rounding out this spooky season here on Kicking and Streaming with. Guys, next week, join us as we break down the 2014 independent horror film, The Babadook. Oh my God. Here's the thing, but I've only seen this once. And I'm actually kind of excited to watch it again because I didn't think it was that scary the first time. It's not the scariest movie out there, don't get me wrong, but it touches on something very personal to me Uh in the fears that I um, lived as a child. Uh Like, the the Babadook was the entity for me Uh as a child. And then when I saw this movie for the first time, I was like... Oh my god. No. No, 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 because this is definitely what terrified me as a child. The Baba No! I arrived at this independently. Uh-huh. <laughs> I could have written the Baba Spook for my own personal experiences. So look out for that next week, guys. In the meantime, you can go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. Please don't forget to practice the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet. 
tweet, folks. We want everyone to come and join our little watch party. And please go check out the Patreon. Guys, there's never been a better time to give us your money for just $5. Yeah, guys, <laughs> we're almost done with Hill House. I know. Oh, man. Go, you, you, and you're going to want all of it. Go get all the content, guys. Become a little onion contributor at the $5 level. You'll be so glad you did. More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, sorry, sorry Mom. Mom.